Good evening to everyone. Good to see you. Glad that you're here. Uh, as announced a few moments ago, we uh, our uh, spring retreat is this weekend. Uh, we're excited about that, looking forward to that, and I hope all that is going is looking forward to it. Also, the theme this year is uh, I Desire. It's taken from uh, Mark chapter 8, where Jesus says, If anyone desire to come after me, let him take up his cross daily and follow after me. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the things this weekend that we desire to do for him. And I hope that uh, we'll be benefited because of it, enjoy the fellowship that we have uh, with each other. Uh, tonight, if you looked on the schedule, it was uh, Chris Martin. I'm not Chris Martin, uh, but uh, uh, we'll try to uh, get through this tonight. Anyway, I always enjoy hearing Chris. I always love hearing his perspective and his, his thoughts on the subjects that he gets, and I I always look forward to him uh, being up here. We are blessed to have a lot of uh, speakers. I was telling someone just the other day, they were talking about uh, uh, speaking and preaching. I said, well, you know, we've probably got eight, ten uh, uh, men, young men that can speak in, at any given time. And I, I think we're really blessed. And I think Center Grove does a, a very good job in uh, creating an atmosphere and a, a Bible school class program and other things that encourages that, and I really appreciate that uh, myself. Here at Center Grove, I think from the beginning, uh, I wasn't here at the beginning when this congregation uh, started, but um, I assume from the very beginning, I always had uh, uh, Bible classes uh, to teach uh, uh, each age group and, you know, come together to uh, uh, study God's Word. Uh, I know uh, when I do my lessons three times on the radio each week, I always begin with inviting individuals to come out, and I give all the times for services, and I give the times for our Bible classes. And I always say we have Bible classes for all ages. Um, and when you think about the Bible class, do we ever think about the benefits of what Bible class is? I thought since I was having to do uh, this one tonight, and we're about to start the new quarter, uh, we kind of talk about Bible class. We talk about teaching. It's work of edification. If you look at Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 14, it says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speak the, speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things in him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So we need to understand and, and think and I think consider that Bible class is a work that edifies. Well, of course it does. Uh, it, it brings us together. It helps us to grow. Um, but the first thing, as I was thinking about doing this, the first thing that uh, I think I'd like to start with, and this lesson kind of changed a little bit uh, based on uh, uh, a, a conversation that I had a while back with an individual. I've got a friend of mine that uh, he sends me texts every once in a while, and we discuss different things on with Bible things, and he sent me one the other day, a text. There's a video of, of an individual talking about how uh, division is in the church and, and things that create division, things that causes division. And one of them was, and we kind of discussed this, was uh, Bible class. Believe it or not, Bible class causes division with, with individuals. 
uh, there's individuals who uh, do not think that separating for Bible class is authorized in the Bible. Now, we can, we can say, well, it, it's sufficient for good work, and, and that may be enough for a lot of people. But if, if someone, think about this, if someone was to ask you, is separating for Bible class authorized in Scripture, what would you tell them? Where would you go? What would you say? Where, where would you go in Scripture? You think, well, who in the world would have a problem with separating for Bible class? Well, as I've referred to uh, my friend, I said, so you're the no-class brethren is what you are then. And he just kind of chuckled, laughed, and kind of sent me a little sideways face back. So I, I kind of started referring to him as the no-class brother. Uh, and I said, I'm just, just, I said, it's just a description. You, you, know, you don't believe in Bible class, so you're a no-class person. You know, it's, you know, it's just, and we just kind of joke back and forth, but we have had some serious conversations, and there is groups that, that believe you can't separate for Bible class, and I, quite honestly, I think it's a legitimate question, because I think any time that you question something that you do, a practice that you do as a Christian, a practice that you do as a congregation, you should be able to answer whether it's authorized or not and I think it's a legitimate question and I think it should be one that that is answered um, there are actually as I said some who who think that uh, it's not authorized but let's look at some things before we get into uh, some other things and see whether it is authorized or not first there is authority to teach so we've got to understand that to begin with look in Ephesians 4 beginning at verse 11 as Tom read a few moments ago, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So and it, God established a certain order within a congregation, so there can be edification within that group, and the authority to teach is part of that. I, I think that across the board can... Uh, can be realized. I think all can agree on that, that we have authority to teach. And it's a beneficial work. It's part of the work of, of a local congregation. I think that's why uh, we have uh, so many uh, of our young people that are growing up, both boys and girls, that when they grow older, they're able to teach that next generation. Because there's a lot of emphasis put on that here at Center Grove on teaching. And a lot of different subjects are taught. We're going back, Sean is uh, on Wednesday night going to be teaching first principles to make sure the basics are there to build upon as, as we go through. So um, there is authorization uh, for teaching. But I think we need to realize, too, there is authority to teach specific groups. Uh, if we look in Titus chapter 2, beginning at verse 1 through verse 10, it says, But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, and love and patience. The older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. That they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands. That the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded. In all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing integrity, uh, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech uh, uh, that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Exhort bondservants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back. 
not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. So notice here, you've got different groups. You've got older men, you've got older women, you've got younger men, you've got younger women. So not only do we have authority to teach, we've got authority to teach specific groups. Now the question is, how, does that, how is that achieved? How do we teach each one? Um, the argument could be, well, uh, they're taught in the assembly as you come together. But there's, there's specific things here. So does a person always have to sit and wait and say, okay, uh, they're not talking about me now. I'll just wait till you know, maybe five Sundays from now. Maybe the, the preacher will cover this section that, that, that applies to me. Are we, are we supposed to do that? Um, is it done just at home? Now, this has nothing to do, I don't believe, with a, a parent's responsibility to teach their children. I think parents, they're... they're uh, have the utmost responsibility of teaching their children. And I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about we have authorization to teach, but we have authorization to teach specific groups of individuals, and we teach those specific group of individuals specific things. Well, how is that accomplished, and when is that accomplished? Well, uh, here's the next problem that arises. The problem is uh, doing it in the church. Uh, from individuals. What they say is that we have authority to gather as an assembly together and once you gather as an assembly together uh, in the building then you don't have authority to separate from that. And what they're referring to is, is the worship service itself. Um, and I would agree with that. The Bible talks about different times in Acts 20 and verse 7, uh, Hebrews 10 and 25, 1 Corinthians 16, uh, and verse 2, you can go to Hebrews uh, chapter 2, not forsaking ourselves together as we assemble together as the manner of some is. Uh, Hebrews 10 and 25, you know, we're to come together as a group collectively uh, to worship God together. But see, the problem is we're not talking about that. We're not talking about to come together as worship. What we're talking about is come together to study the Bible. And, and it comes back to uh, general commands and specific commands and expediency. When it comes to worship, you could also say, well, where's the authority for a church building for worship? Well, I think what we have to realize, when God gives a, a command, within that command is the ability to carry out that command, wouldn't he? He wouldn't give you a command that you couldn't carry out. Now, there's specific commands and there's generic commands. There's specific commands to go and teach the gospel. Uh, 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 that, that is a, a, a specific command and a generic. The specific is, I don't have any authority to teach anything else. The generic is, I can do it face to face. We can do it on the radio. We can do it with PowerPoint. We can do it on TV. We can do it with a lot of things. Uh, you know, we've got the command to come together and sing, make melody in our hearts. We've got songbooks to carry that out. That doesn't change the command. So we can do a whole lesson on specific and, and generic commands and manner of expediency. The point is, okay, if I'm if I am to teach, then within that command has to be the ability to carry that out. Well, the argument is, well, you do that at home. Well, yeah, we can do that at home. What if I have a Bible study at home? Nothing wrong with that at all, is there? What if I'm teaching my kids and my kids have friends come over and they, they want to be taught too? Next thing I know, I've got... Ten people in my home teaching. Next thing I know, I've got 15. Then I've got 20. And then I decide, you know, maybe I, it'd be better to go over to the church building. There's more space we could teach there. It has nothing to do with the worship. And it just has to do with needing more room to be able to teach 
Or maybe even to divide up, okay, we're getting older kids, we're getting younger kids, maybe we need to divide up here and teach these certain ways. These, that's where it comes down to a matter of expediency. It has nothing to do with the command that was given. It has to do with being able to edify the church, fulfill the command to teach, fulfill the command to teach specific groups. Now, that's left up just like a lot of things are when it comes to our shepherds. On uh, when, that, when is that carried out? How is that done? Uh, what's the best way to feed the flock? You know, when uh, I, I'm not much of a farmer. If anybody goes out there and never digs up my, my field in the back, uh, I hope they know what's animal bones is buried back there because there's a whole lot of them back there. Uh, an animal don't live long on the strong homestead. But I realize that you have to feed certain ones certain things at certain times because of, of where they're at. You know, when uh, I had goats and sheep, when they were first born, I, they didn't eat what the older goats ate. You know, they had to eat milk to start with. They had to grow. They had to do different things. The same thing, the Bible describes that. talks about starting from milk, going to the meat. So how do you accomplish that? You accomplish that by being able to teach the certain groups at the certain times the things that they need to know at that certain age. So, and then you may say, well, uh, this doesn't even seem like it should even be an issue. It shouldn't be an issue. And where the issue is, is... If a person, if a congregation decides they don't want to separate for Bible class, you don't have to. It's not commanded that you separate for Bible class. You do it ever how it works best for that congregation. But where it becomes an issue is, is where you bind and say it's a sin if you do, when you can't prove that from the Scriptures. Uh, and it really comes down to the abuse of things. Uh, well, if you do that, the argument that I hear, and I agree with the argument, that if you do that, it takes the responsibility back for, out of the parents' hands that somebody else does the teaching. And some do view it that way, but that's an abuse of it. So before we can get, you know, I think, think about and get into talking about Bible class and teaching, uh, be prepared because you could be asked this. Somebody could, and it's a legitimate question. I think anything that we do as a congregation, anything that we do as a Christian, we ought to be able to have authority from it or, or be able to show that authority from Scripture. And we shouldn't shy away from that. Uh, the first time I was ever confronted with this, I can remember I uh, was going to study with an individual and he was having some uh, issues and he had some questions and I said, well, let's just meet out at the church library and we'll, uh, we'll study about this. He brought 22 men with him from a particular congregation. Uh, I was there to study. They were there to show me about 20 different ways I was going to hell. Uh, and separate for Bible class was one of them. And I, I was actually just astonished because I'd never heard that. I'd actually never confronted that before. I, I didn't even know that was ever an issue. Uh, I didn't even uh, know that that was one, but that particular one was one. And uh, uh, so we, we tried to take them little by little and, and discuss them and the uh, uh, best I could. I was kind of blindsided, but... Uh, um, it, it really opened my eyes to some things, how, how some people uh, view certain things. Uh, I wasn't offended that they were questioning what any practice that I did because we ought to be able to give an answer for that. I, I was just astonished at the way that it was done. But, uh, but I thought we'd just kind of start with that to make sure that we could answer that question, is there authority to teach, and are we violating scriptures if we do it? There is authority to teach. There is authority, as we, we said, to teach specific groups. 
how we carry that out in an expedient manner um, is really up to us. It's really up to us for the best way in which we can do that because it doesn't have to do with the specific commands as far as come together and worshiping and separating. Um, there is authority for coming together, as we said. Acts 20 and verse 7 it says, uh, Now on the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued uh, his message until midnight. 1 Corinthians 5, 4 and 5. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together, along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. So you have scriptures where we have examples of, of congregations coming together to worship. Um, and we don't need to confuse that. that that's, that's not... Uh, separating for Bible classes, talking about coming together for worship. So there is authority for that, and there's authority for the expedient side when it comes to uh, Bible class. The Bible class uh, is an important part, I believe, of a Christian's work, of a congregation's work. Uh, uh, what's, what's said from this pulpit is always very important, and we've got to be careful what's said from this pulpit. But I think there should be extra emphasis of being careful what's said in those classrooms and make sure those classrooms are being uh, uh, taught the way that they should and, and we address it the way that we should. Uh, so here's some other considerations that I want to talk about with the remainder of our time. When you think about, uh, you know, Titus has been up here uh, several Sundays now and uh, talking about uh, needing teachers for the next quarter and, and, and how important that is. Uh, and if you haven't found one for the nursery, I can do that. I can be like Barty Five. We can have the rock in there. We'll just have two rules in that nursery. Uh, uh, I don't know if I could do it. I just don't know if I could do the nursery class. Bless anybody's heart that does. But, uh, 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 but you think about that, how young uh, that that starts and how important that work is. But there is one thing I think we need to really consider and think about when we think about being teachers that teachers, and I don't want to scare anybody off, Titus, but teachers will receive a stricter judgment. And that's something that you have to take seriously when it comes to preaching, when it comes to teaching, when it comes to teaching someone out uh, in the world. You could have a Bible class anywhere. You, you could take an opportunity to teach anyone and discuss the Bible no matter where you are. Um, what's today? Sunday? Yesterday, Saturday morning. I was in uh, uh, the cardiac ICU in a, a patient's room. Their daughter come in there, and we had about a 45-minute Bible study there. Uh, so you just come in and start asking questions. Bam, 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 one question right after the other. And I'm like, I, I need to go down the truck and get my Bible. I can't, I can't you know, think of a lot of things right off the top of my head anymore. But I uh, had a Bible study there. So you can have it anywhere, but you've got to be careful when, you, when you're in that situation of teaching that realize you will receive a stricter judgment. Look in James chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we all shall receive a stricter judgment. And why is this? This is because there is the potential uh, to lead someone astray. If you look in 2 Timothy 2 and 18, I don't know if I gave you that, did I? Oh, I did. Uh, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection has already passed, and they overthrow the faith of some. Paul's talking about two individuals here that uh, were talking about something, discussing something concerning the resurrection, and it caused some to overthrow their faith. So when you think about what uh, you're teaching, make sure what you're teaching is from Scripture. 
Make sure you're teaching the right thing. I tell you, the biggest thing, from the very first time I have ever stood in the pulpit, I'll be honest, I've never been nervous about messing up words or something like that because I do that in everyday talking, so I, I don't know that that's going to change. Now, I get nervous. I get almost sick as I can be before I get up uh, in the pulpit. That's why I say, I notice, I look back talking about the radio, I notice a lot of times when I get up to speak, and especially on the radio, I've never listened to myself on the radio, but I'm on there three times a week, but I've gone back to, to look at certain lessons. I started out every single time with the exact same words. It's never changed the whole time. I don't know how long I've been here, been doing it, <laughs> ever since John uh, asked me to do it there when I first came. Um, I, I went back and listened to years ago. It starts the exact same words every single time. I tell my name, that I'm one of the preachers from Center Grove. I, I talk about our Bible classes. and I go, Because I'm always so nervous before I get into my lesson, I, I don't like to change anything. I like to just go right. That's why I don't like announcements. That's why I think we ought to all turn it over to Caden. Caden needs to be the official announcer person. I've never seen anybody do it with as much confidence as Caden does. You know, I sure don't, and I don't think I ever will. But I, I notice I always started out the same way. But the biggest fear I've always had is not the nerves of just speaking, it's the nerves of speaking something wrong and leading someone astray. Um, that terrifies me. Uh, that's why there's some subjects that I don't teach on because in some ways I'm not sure about. And I sure don't want to lead anybody astray. And if there's ever anything that's just my opinion, I try to always say, now this is my opinion. You know, uh, it, it's like sometimes John scares me. He'll get up and he said, now, I'm going to tell you this, but this could be wrong, <laughs> you know. Uh, but it, it could be sometimes. We, we could, you know, it, it, it's how you, I've changed my mind before when it comes to studying. You know, you study and you learn as you go and you realize, okay, I thought this was a certain way then, but I realized I may have took that out of context and not used it in the proper way. So that's, that always scares me. And that's what I always tell, told our young men when we were in, when we were doing classes on teaching and preaching before, you know, don't worry about messing up a word. Don't worry about, you know, being nervous. Always think about what you're teaching. Think about what you're saying to the audience because what you're saying, they should search that with Scripture, but it, it, it's something that should help to lead them to Christ. You don't want to lead them farther away or give them false hope or, or lead someone astray or overthrow their faith, as Paul is talking about here. Uh, you got to be careful with that. So there is a stricter judgment. So, And I'm not saying that scare anybody off from teaching, but you do need to take it seriously and make sure everything that we teach is the things that we should and uh, uh, we take it for what it is. It's teaching God's Word. No matter what the age group is, um, they could uh, they they can they can pick a lot of things up, especially the young ones. I was sitting on the back uh, porch uh, this afternoon, studying a little bit, watching uh, uh, Silas and Mathis, and uh, Silas and I got into a discussion. And I I've realized he's five now, but he, he's almost beyond me when it comes to some things. Uh, it, there's some that I said I'm just gonna have to defer that to to your mom, and daddy. It's their responsibility to teach you that. <laughs> you know, and I just kind of move on to something else. Uh, and it's, it, it just gets in, it, it just amazes me what, and then and Mathis is there just, you know, agreeing with him, just right with him. But it amazes me what young kids pick up and what they're listening to and, and how their mind is being framed. Um, so I think that's why it says that we are, uh, 
uh, teachers have a stricter judgment because there's a, 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 a bigger responsibility there when it comes to uh, teaching God's Word. Um, just like there is anything else. You know, we're responsible for who we are. We're responsible when we become a Christian. I'm responsible when I become a husband. I'm responsible when I become a father. I'm responsible now that I'm uh, a teacher and a minister. There's that added responsibility. So there should be that stricter judgment. But by the same token, their stricter judgment could be also on an individual who has the ability to teach, but just don't do it. You know, we, God has given us these abilities. As Tom read a few moments ago, there's, there's, there's individuals within the congregation that can do this and for some various reasons just don't want to. It may be nerves. If nerves ever stopped us from doing everything, we would never do anything. Um, but there's ways in which you can overcome those things. Or it just may be we, think, we don't think we have the time. It's not a priority. But I'll be held accountable for that. When I stand before God, if I've had opportunities to teach and didn't do that in whatever aspect it is, if it's an opportunity to teach someone standing at gas pumps or in the hospital, wherever it is, and I don't take those opportunities as I should, then uh, are they going to hear the word like they should? God's going to provide the way, but maybe I was the way at that particular time. Maybe I hindered the word from being taught because of my actions of, of lack of doing something. So we need to make, make real sure that we're thinking about these things when we're thinking about teaching. And training to teach, I believe, is necessary. Hebrews 5, beginning at verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of unrighteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. I was thinking about this verse, and I was thinking about this lesson when I was in uh, John's uh, Bible class this morning in 1 Corinthians 8. And, and talking about knowledge and the liberties that we have and the knowledge that we have that Paul was addressing when it comes to uh, meat sacrificed to idols. And how... Even though we have the liberty to do something, the knowledge that it's okay to do something, it may violate or cause a stumbling block for, for that weaker person as they're coming up. And, and I thought about this, and, and I thought about it in reference of this context. Um, thinking of myself as I was coming up as a youngster. You know, I kind of come late to the game when I was uh, 16. of of started going to church and, and, and listening and I think what happens sometimes, you do have some individuals that would look at an individual if they asked a question a certain way, well, that's just a dumb question. Why do you want to ask that question that way? Why do you want to do that? And it kind of hinders individuals from growing and even getting past those first principles because maybe they're in a situation where there's meat being taught and they're thinking on the, the milk side and they're afraid to ask those questions that may be milk related, that may be that they didn't know to begin with, and someone could make them feel bad. There's been several times when I was younger and asked a question, I thought, I'm not going to ask the question again. If that's the answer I'm going to get, that somebody's going to look at me like I'm stupid for asking that question, I didn't know. That's why I asked. And then so I was afraid to ask anymore. Uh, to me, that's another uh, uh, argument for. Bible class, for having classes like first principle class, for having a class 
that, that deals with issues young men are going through or issues, issues that young ladies are going through or whatever the case may be so they can feel free to ask the questions in which, and we should always feel free to do that. But sometimes it's hard to uh, do that because there are some that have the knowledge that use, as Paul said, that knowledge gets puffed up and they use that and it becomes a stumbling block to those that are around them. Um, and we need to be very careful with that. Uh, I think that goes with a stricter judgment, that goes with training as a teacher, that we can have those first principles to build upon so we can grow and then be able to teach, as the Bible tells us, the older men teach the younger uh, men, the uh, older women teaching the younger women. Uh, because there's things that you can teach, one, from Scripture, but two, from experience of applying that Scripture and struggling through that study process. Uh, there, there's things in which you can do. There's things that, that I would teach a different way now than I taught when I first started teaching just because of the experiences that I had, the, the failures that I had, uh, uh, to be able to say, you know, here's what, uh, what would work and here's what didn't work. Here's how I applied that and here's why that didn't work because I applied that wrong. Um, and we need to look at those things. There's a lot of things that I... I think sometimes I wished I could go back and redo it. I was right in what I was teaching, but I think I was wrong in how I did it. I was wrong in how I approached it. I was even wrong in some of my attitude in doing it. Um, and, and I wished I could get those moments back. So we need to take the training of teaching uh, very seriously when it comes to uh, our Bible classes. The primary aspect of, of training is study. Study all that you can know a lot more about the subject that you're going to be teaching at that particular time so you can cover and be ready uh, for those things. And, and be able to admit, you know the biggest thing that, that <laughs> scared me besides of, of, of teaching the wrong thing is not knowing the answer. I was always afraid somebody's going to ask me something that I don't know. And I'm supposed to be the teacher. I'm supposed to know that. And that used to terrify me, even in the kids' classes. And, and believe me, sometimes you get the harder questions there. And I'm thinking, well, I, what are you, what's a teacher supposed to say if they don't know that? Well, you know, let's study about that. That's how I actually do a lot of Bible classes. Well, you know, it really doesn't matter what I think on that. Let's see what the Bible says and then start studying on that. But take those things seriously when it comes to uh, teaching. Uh, it's important to become a teacher. First Timothy 4 and 16 says, Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. I tell you, and I'll go back and I, I've got to brag a little bit. This congregation, and I only know a couple that uh, uh, I can think of that, that actually, I mean, I can't even think we, we could go a long time and not need anybody else to preach. I mean, we've got so many that can teach. We've got so many that can preach. We've got so many that can do so many things. That doesn't happen just overnight. That just doesn't spontaneously happen. There has to be an atmosphere for that. There has to be a, a, a purpose toward that. Um, and I think we have it here at Center Grove, and I'm thankful for that. Um, I don't think there's any more gratifying work in the kingdom than to edify the saints through teaching. And we have opportunity to do this. Uh, so what do we do? We, we take Bible class seriously. Never forget the danger 
of apostasy and neglect. That, that comes from neglect. If we neglect the teaching, we neglect the training, then the possibility of apostasy is, is coming up pretty quick. And we need to realize that. In Hebrews chapter 6, beginning at verse 1, Therefore, leaving the discussion of elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptism, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, of eternal enlightenment, and have tested the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted uh, the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Um, lack of teaching is what causes that, someone to fall away. Because we're, we're, we're not on top of that. We're not, you have to be you know, consumed within the Word of God um, and, and be a part of that because there's things that's going to come up in the world that are uh, going to have to be addressed. And we need to prepare ourselves for that. We need to, uh, you know, you, you hear a lot of lessons. I've heard a lot of lessons over the years. Why are we losing our young people? Um, I'd say the same is for anybody. I think it's the same reason that we lose anybody is, is lack of study, lack, lack of teaching, lack of training, and not staying on top of that. All, unfortunately, and I'm just going to say it as, as hard as it sounds, sometimes all we're worried about is just getting them in here, dunking them in the water, and setting them on the pews. There's so much more to it than that. That's just the beginning of it. That's when you teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you. That, that's part of the Great Commission. It isn't just to baptize them. The part of it is, is, is to continue to teach them. And, and we've got to be ready for that. We've got to take that seriously uh, because that's where it just begins. Uh, that's why you have individuals, unfortunately, throughout the brotherhood that uh, may be on a pew for 20 years and really don't know any more about God's Word than they did when they first become a Christian. As, as sad as that sounds, it is a reality sometimes. Um, so we need to take it seriously so individuals can grow in the truth. It, it's a work that takes full participation. Uh, I think it takes thought of, of the eldership to, to plan it out, to see what works best, where it comes to times, whether it comes to uh, the kinds of classes that are being taught, uh, when the class is being taught, whatever. It, it, that takes planning. That takes thought. And it takes full participation from all of us, whether we're attending Bible class, whether we're teaching Bible class, wherever it is that we're a part of it. Um, so I think it's something that we all should be involved in in some way, and I hope that we can. And if there's ever a time that anyone here that wants to be a teacher, whether the slot is full now, there's always opportunity to go in and help teach with somebody, to get, you know, get your feet wet, to kind of learn and, and kind of see. And... Uh, I was like that for a long time. I was uncomfortable in a class by myself. I, I, I wanted somebody there. If it wasn't nothing just for an extra body being there, just to support, I just felt like I could fall back on them if I needed to for some reason, you know. It really helps. Take that opportunity to do that. If you're teaching, encourage someone to, to do that with you. Encourage someone to help you in whatever way that that is. Uh, you can talk to the elders about it. You can talk to Titus about it. There's a lot of opportunities uh, uh, to grow and to participate when it comes to Bible class. Now, I know we talked about a lot of different things, and sometimes we don't give enough attention to our Bible class. We don't give enough teaching 
uh, attention to teaching and the importance of it. But I hope it's something that you can think about. But if you're here tonight and you've never obeyed uh, uh, God's word, part of that teaching is to teach how to do that, how to become a Christian. There's a lot of people that say a lot of different things. This is what you should do, or this is what they feel that they should do. But what really matters is what does God say for us to do? is to repent of our sins, confess that Jesus is the Son of God, be baptized for the remission of those sins, live a faithful life to Him, teaching and observing the things in which uh, uh, His Word says. And that takes study, that takes growth, that takes time, that takes mistakes, that takes failures. We're, we're not perfect, but we become perfect in Him. He's what's perfect, we're not perfect. 